You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin with the latest developments in BC's COVID-19 pandemic. We'll start with new numbers from the province. It shows we have 14 new cases, two new deaths, 120 people are in hospital, 56 of them in ICU, and 983 have now recovered. We're going to bring in Keith Baldry for us uh, right now. Keith, Mission Institution has become a big concern here, and the numbers we just showed don't completely factor into that. This was a very mm -hmm. confusing release today. Yeah, very confusing because the federal, the federal government's in charge of the Mission Institution and they're releasing numbers differently than the Center for Disease Control and the Health Ministry are doing uh, in, on the provincial side. So there was a lot of confusion today. So 14 new cases, but that does not include what appears to be 13 new cases in the Mission uh, uh, pr Prison Facility. Uh, and that's an increase from yesterday at 48, today it's at 61. So again, there's a lot of confusion out there. I think you should take the 14 and maybe add the 13, but so far the Health Ministry is not doing that. The hospitalization numbers and the ICU numbers do incorporate the mission numbers and both those numbers are going down and that's good news. But uh, we talked to Health Minister Adrian Dix today here at the legislature. He is very concerned what he's seeing in mission because that is a cluster that continues to grow and if it continues to grow even more, uh, they're going to have to work fast with the federal government to contain this. Here's Adrian Dix. So until, um, until they stop rising, um, that's a real concern. It's, uh, it's uh, our third most significant cluster in all of BC and it's really just got started. So that's a, it, it continues to be a concern and that's why we've added resources out there. That's why we're making uh, extra efforts to try and support the federal government out there. Now, to add to the confusion, the two deaths we posted does not include the one death associated with that outbreak at the mission facility. One of the prisoners there has died in hospital, so three deaths overall. But uh, Adrian Dix tells me he's going to clear up all this confusion tomorrow. He knows he's going to take a bit of heat for this, uh, but tomorrow he's going to release, and Dr. Barney Henry is going to release the modeling that shows where the BC could be headed in terms of cases in various scenarios, and that's tomorrow morning. We'll carry that live on BC One. All right. Thanks very much, Keith. Well, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has once again expanded one of the government's emergency programs designed to help businesses survive the COVID crisis. The government making it easier to claim commercial rental assistance to include more small and medium-sized businesses. Aaron MacArthur has the details. Empty chairs with empty tables. For too many businesses, there hasn't been anything in the way of income for weeks and the bills keep piling up. Of most concern, rent. The Prime Minister announcing plans to ease the burden on commercial tenants. This program will provide support to help small businesses with their rent for the months of April, May and June. Like a lot of what the Liberal government is announcing, the details are still to be worked out. In Victoria, the Finance Minister announcing a deferral of property taxes paid by businesses and tax cuts to help with cash flow. The average reduction in overall property taxes for most commercial properties is 25%. Government announcements are welcome news, but any relief is still weeks, maybe months down the road. According to business groups in BC, cash is needed in hand now. Well, the recent survey that we did with our members that we saw a third of them said that they had already closed operations and another third were saying that they were expecting to close operations in the next couple of weeks. There is some tangible help. 
The government now saying businesses which spent between $20,000 and $1.5 million are eligible for up to $40,000 in interest-free loans. To date, more than 195,000 loans have been approved. We're talking about more than $7.5 billion in credit. Criticism of the government is growing. Conservative leader Andrew Scheer accusing the Liberals of re-announcing programs creating confusion about who qualifies and what help there is. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. A staff member at the Real Canadian Superstore on Grandview Highway in Vancouver has tested positive for COVID-19. The company says the employee hasn't been in the store since April 9th, last Thursday, and the store was closed for a thorough cleaning. That store has since reopened. Superstore says it takes the safety of customers and staff very seriously and that the company is following the instructions of public health officials. The B.C. government is rolling out a series of new measures designed to help municipalities experiencing a COVID-related cash crunch. The plan includes tax breaks and more flexible rules around borrowing and carrying debt. But as Ted Chernecki reports, those measures fall far short of what many city councils are asking for. Much anticipated help for municipal governments and business arrived today from the province. First up, the business property tax deadline has been pushed back to October. And municipalities can now hold on to the property tax they do collect until December. And if that isn't enough... We're increasing our cut to the school property tax to ensure that the average reduction in overall property taxes for most commercial properties is 25%. We are authorizing local governments to borrow interest-free from their existing capital reserves to help pay for operating expenses like employee salaries. The Union of BC Municipalities welcomed the news but vows to continue to work with the province as financial circumstances change. We are very concerned about our residents and their ability to pay uh, taxes when they're due. And so we recognize that hardship and we have brought that concern to the province. And I think as we process the information that we are receiving, we'll continue to have that conversation with the province and we're thankful that they are listening to us. What wasn't announced was the $200 million cash-strapped Vancouver was looking for. Other cities better prepared with surplus funds say now is the time to get your house in order. Whether the money comes from the municipal government, the provincial government, or the federal government, it's all ultimately coming from the taxpayer. And so now's the time to be responsible, to coordinate, uh, and to do what we got to do to provide support to our people to get through this. We have laid off 1,500 employees already, 1,500 of a staff of, of just over 11,000. Uh, all exempt staff have taken a 10% pay cut. I mean, if that's not restructuring, I don't know what is. Ted Chernaki, Global News. Metro Vancouver's tourism and hospitality industry has set up a new task force in response to the growing COVID-19 crisis. And tonight they're calling for urgent action. Romina Dea is live with more. Just yesterday, Romina, we heard from the aquarium that it might have to close down permanently mm. and that likely won't be the last attraction we hear that kind of news from. What is the goal of this task force? 
right now they're trying to support thousands of businesses right now, Sophie, that that rely on tourism. We're talking about a fight for survival for places like Science World, um, hotels, restaurants in the community, thousands of businesses, as I said, that rely on tourism for survival. Now, this tourism and travel sector has launched this new task force, which represents over 50 organizations. The Metro Vancouver Tourism and Hospitality Task Force has sent urgent letters right now to the provincial and federal governments, urging action, saying thousands of businesses which rely on the tourism economy need help immediately. The wage subsidy is fantastic that the the federal government has announced. If we could enhance that, if we could expand the timing, and if we could potentially put a top-up in place to help uh, businesses who can't even afford to pay that 25%, I think it would really go a long way. Now, the dire warning comes, as you mentioned, Sophie, a day after the Vancouver Aquarium announced it has lost over $3 million in just one month. Therefore, it could look at permanent closure in the next two months, leaving 70,000 animals homeless. The Capilano Suspension Bridge, also hit by COVID, says that the government wage subsidy is helpful right now and they are grateful for it, but it ends in June. So at this point, it's impossible to guarantee anything regarding reopening. And also you have Science World, which I mentioned off the top. They have had a devastating blow here. They've seen a drop in revenue by 85% again in just one month. Our staff have taken uh, a minimum of a 20% reduction in salary. I've um, taken a 40% reduction in salary. So we're doing everything we can to reduce our costs. But the reality for us is when the subsidy ends, we have about three to four months and then we are broke. Now, with only 2% of money coming in as far as government funding right now here at Science World, it's hard to say if the doors will reopen. Back to you. All right. Thanks for that, Ramina Dea at Science World. Many parents are doing double duty right now, turning their dining rooms into classrooms and also working from home. That combination presents many challenges. So Catherine Urquhart has some tips for parents juggling their new realities. John Perlinger is being creative with homeschooling. He's serious about teaching his young children, but is also trying to maintain a sense of humor, creating self-deprecating videos to share with other moms and dads. So how do you figure out the difference? Hey Siri, what's 950 minus 196? The answer is 754. Boom, there you have it. Many parents could use a laugh. Homeschooling is not easy. Christy Bell is teaching her four kids and works full-time. Adjusting to also being a teacher now, that's been a huge challenge for me, balancing uh, working long hours and having to also assist them in, you know, everything they need. So your shape of the day, like it says here. Some teachers are giving extensive guidance to their pupils, but it varies by school and district. In an effort to help, a BC charity that supports distance learning for 3,000 children has been offering advice to principals. We've been working uh, very closely with our educators to put together some resources that we can share with um, other educators and parents. Among their tips for parents, recognize that learning happens all the time. Get outside and into nature. 
Have your child set goals and then make them manageable. Use computers as tools to expose your child to new ideas and practice skills. And perhaps most important, be gentle with yourself. I try and like to to get my energy out by dancing, uh, resting, reading. You know the usual things that most people have to do to kind of calm themselves down and and cope. Thank you for helping me with my homework. For most parents, distance learning is presenting challenges. They never imagined, and all of us are trying to get through it as best we can, hopeful that schools will be back in session sooner rather than later. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Squamish has declared a state of emergency over an aggressive wildfire. It started around this time yesterday, and it has quickly grown to 100 hectares, forcing some residents to evacuate. Paul Johnson has more from Squamish. Choppers with buckets doing the air attack on the steep mountainside above the upper Squamish Valley. Where after smoldering overnight and for much of the morning, the McGee Road fire was threatening to be on the move again as winds picked up and the temperature rose to 20 degrees. We have 37 crew people on that fire, three helis, one structural protection unit brought in by the Squamish Fire Department and three excavators on site. The wildfire service has confirmed the blaze was human caused and residents tell Global News it started as a controlled burn that got out of control with conditions making for a heightened risk of wildfire. It's been windy and dry up here in Sea to Sky Country. They've only had a fraction of the rain they would normally get this time of year, and forecasters aren't expecting any significant rain anytime soon. Just basically looked outside and there was a whole huge cloud of smoke. Sophie Tyus had to evacuate to Squamish Wednesday night. She and her housemates had minutes to make their decision. As soon as um, our housemate came back on his motorbike and just said, it's coming, got to go, and everyone's evacuating. So at one point we're going to go up the valley and then we're going down, so it was just a bit of a race. About 150 people live in the upper Squamish Valley community, a forested and rural setting framed by the dramatic coastal mountain peaks. It's obvious why people would want to live here. Evacuees tell Global News they've seen a number of burned homes and structures already. In Squamish, Paul Johnson, Global News. Right now, though, there are currently tens of thousands of hotel rooms sitting empty across B.C. cities and towns. And, as it happens, there are also thousands of people homeless. Those two facts put together led Victoria Mayor Lisa Helps to write to Dr. Bonnie Henry and suggest those vacant rooms could be seized for use as housing. Brad McLeod reports. The situation on Pandora Avenue in downtown Victoria, still a situation. In Topaz Park, a designated area to spread out vulnerable folks is filled. So, in an effort to get more people sheltered, council wants to ask the province to force hotels and motels to house the homeless. I think that this is something that we need to do. It's not perfect. I'm not happy with it. In favor. Uh, I'm in favor. With that, City Council will ask the Premier to use the power under the Emergency Program Act to requisition rooms. And if that fails, the city wants to declare a local state of emergency and take the rooms themselves. My hope is that the province takes seriously council's motion uh, and takes action. We don't feel hotels, forcing hotels 
um, to accommodate homeless people as a solution. Bill Lewis is fielding concerned calls from many of his industry colleagues. While sympathetic to the crisis, owners and operators are worried for the safety of their employees. I think we're just concerned about um, non-traditional use of hotel rooms and that it might incur more damage than uh, we're generally used to. Mayor Helps gets the concerns and says, should the province act? So what won't work is taking people from Pandora and Topaz and just putting them in the Empress. That won't work uh, with fair compensation to motel owners and hotel owners uh, with a guarantee that the properties will be returned in the condition uh, in which they were leased. And most importantly, with health care supports uh, for people who are moving in. And have only come up with... Of the motels and hotels asked, only a couple were willing to lease out rooms. But many hotels say they haven't been approached at all. Raising the question, should all hotels be canvassed before the extreme call goes out to the government? I think the position we have as a hotel association is that we would like the hoteliers to have the choice to make that decision. Brad McLeod, Global News, Victoria. Well, dozens of Vancouver businesses have been forced to close during the COVID-19 crisis. One area of commerce is thriving. The downtown Eastside Street Market. And as Jordan Armstrong reports, businesses suspect it is the shocking spike in property crime that's feeding it. It's a startling comparison. Robson Street, Vancouver's sanctioned retail district, is boarded up and quiet. While across town on East Hastings Street, the city's underground retail district is booming. Unfortunately, we are seeing increased numbers of people selling and buying in the streets along the downtown east side. Now, there used to be a supervised east side market on an empty lot of Hastings, but last month, City Hall ordered it shut down. That hasn't stopped the vending. It simply moved to the sidewalk and now takes place on several blocks. At the same time, commercial break-and-enters is one thing that we have noticed has increased substantially. The numbers are off the chart, says the president of the Downtown Business Improvement Association. It's like a 136% increase in commercial break-and-enters compared to the same time period last year. Police insist they're cracking down. Our officers are working hard in the area to target these thieves and put them into jail. Uh, This past week, we arrested... 40 people. But Gautier says the criminal justice system could do more to keep tabs on chronic offenders. I found that uh, uh, Ontario is using ankle monitoring bracelets uh, to keep track of offenders while they're out if they're not in jail. The business association isn't just speaking out about theft, they're also a victim. Wednesday, Poppy, their summer movie night mascot, was looted from a storage locker. They're hoping you might have a kernel of evidence that leads to Poppy's return. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. WestJet has made a second round of layoffs, sending notice to 1,700 pilots. 700 pilots for WestJet, WestJet Encore, and budget carrier Swoop will be laid off effective May 1st. The remaining 1,000 pilots will be off the job as of June 1st. In a statement, WestJet says the move was a last resort reaction to the colossal impact of COVID-19 on the airline industry. In late March, WestJet laid off 6,900 workers. The Calgary-based airline had about 14,000 employees before coronavirus broke out. Well, if you had a flight that was impacted by COVID-19, you are among the thousands of passengers feeling frustrated and waiting for a refund. 
Airlines have their own ideas about what you're entitled to, so you might be inclined to ask your credit card company for relief. Well, our consumer specialist, Ann Drua, has been looking into this and joins us now with more. Ann? Yeah, unfortunately, the situation is not cut and dry. Thanks for that, Chris. Now, we reached out to three major credit card companies and three major banks to find out if they are offering chargebacks so impact and passengers can get their money back. Here's what Visa told us. Visa's dispute resolution process between card issuers and merchant acquirers is governed by our network rules, which determine where a chargeback right may apply. This will depend on many factors, including timing, context, documentation, and local laws and regulations. Cardholders should initially attempt to resolve the issue with the relevant merchant. MasterCard stated it continues to encourage all parties, cardholders, merchant banks and acquirers, merchant banks, to resolve disputes amicably and flexibly in order to minimize the potential impact on cardholders and merchants, particularly during this difficult time. And American Express said it's opening disputes with airlines and travel providers at the customer's request, but we are not processing chargebacks if the airline is able to provide documentation that it is providing reparation to their customer through credits for future travel. This is in line with the guidance provided by the regulator, and that is the Canadian Transportation Agency. Now, we did reach out to the major banks, RBC, TD, and BMO about this subject and RBC stated if clients booked on their credit card they may be entitled to a refund in accordance with the rules for disputing transactions set by Visa and MasterCard. These rules require that cardholders must first attempt to resolve their claim with the airline. If they have not been successful clients should contact us contact us and we will work with them to initiate a claim for a chargeback in accordance with Visa or MasterCard rules. Now TD said process for requesting chargebacks currently remains in accordance with the rules set by the payment networks, meaning the credit card companies, and we did not hear back from BMO. We have heard that some people are having success with their credit card companies and getting that chargeback, but again, much depends on the credit card's policy. So read that fine print. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Thanks, Anne. Well, with fewer people driving and fewer people crashing, ICBC is saving a lot of money during the COVID crisis. A lot of people had been hoping the provincial insurer would pass those savings on to them. Well, ICBC offered a little relief today, but as Richard Zussman shows us, it's not as much as many had hoped. From high above Vancouver streets, the impact of the pandemic is clear. Fewer people are on the roads. And that has the province making it easier for those drivers staying at home. ICBC will be uh, waiving uh, cancellation and uh, replating fees for people who need to put their insurance on hold. But the changes at the public insurer pale in comparison to what the private companies are doing. For those still on the road, optional insurance at Allstate Canada has been docked 25% while Intact is providing a 15% discount. A state of emergency was declared on March 18th in this province. Since then, ICBC has pulled in nearly half a billion dollars in revenue. A lot of that should go back to British Columbians. With so many cars sitting in driveways and not on the road, crashes are down. But ICBC will not provide numbers in terms of how many and what impact that's having on the insurer's bottom line. 
I've asked for a full report about the impact of the pandemic, including crash rates, uh, impacts to ICBC's investments, uh, as well as one-time operational costs to respond to the pandemic. Once the report is done, EV promises to release it publicly and eventually pass any savings on to drivers. For now, there are other options. If you're not using your vehicle for commuting and you used to do that and that was included in your insurance quote, uh, you can change your insurance now uh, to reflect your actual use of the vehicle without charge. So it is worth a call to your broker. The Canadian Taxpayers Federation says the province needs to move into the fast lane. We're trying to be patient. But ICBC is one of those monthly recurrent expenses for most of us. They need to get on this now. If you do cancel your policy, you must keep some insurance in case the car gets damaged while off the road. The province also changing the rules to allow those who do sign back up for insurance after May 30th to keep their old license plates. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.